Hebrews chapter 11. Okay. Verse 8. Urged on by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and went forth to a place which he was destined to receive as an inheritance. And he went, although he did not know or trouble his mind about where he was to go. He did not know or trouble his mind about where he was to go. God said go, and he just went. Left, left his father's house, left his family, took all his stuff, and he went. Okay? Prompted by faith, he dwelt as a temporary resident in the land which was designated in the promise of God, though he was like a stranger in a strange country, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs with him of the same promise. Okay. Right, so he went, he obeyed the call, he went. He says, by faith he dwelt as a temporary resident. Or a temporary resident, the temporary speaks of natural. Okay, temporary resident with his, with Isaac and Jacob, with his sons. Okay. And they were heirs with him. Okay? Though he was like a stranger in a strange country, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs with him of the same promise. So there was a promise, and the promise was something permanent. Now, this is something that you get right through Scripture, the temporary and the permanent. So the first covenant was a temporary thing. The law was temporary. It was intended to be in effect until the seed should come. But the second one is the permanent one. The first, in the, in the old, there was first the tabernacle, which is a temporary structure, then the temple, which is supposedly a permanent structure, but it was also broken down because it was all part of the allegory that had to be removed because the first covenant was the temporary thing included, <laughs> the temple, everything included, and the second covenant or the New Testament is the temporary thing, uh, the, the, the permanent thing that God established at the cross. Okay, so there's, there's you get these, these prophetic actions. You get these prophetic things, God showing his purpose even from the beginning, even before he brought the law, which was the temporary thing. So the temporary thing speaks of a natural time. It speaks of a natural place. Now, we have talked about that at the conference, So, but the, this, the permanent thing speaks of eternal life in Christ, and it speaks of an eternal place spiritual place which is called the secret place of the most high all right so this is the true fulfillment of the promise so if you read galatians chapter 3 it says and galatians chapter 4 and it, it explains the whole thing so uh the the heir of the promise it was it was promised to abraham and his seed if you read galatians chapter 3 not meaning many seeds, but referring to one seed. So already there's Isaac and Jacob, so it can't be for them. 
So already you got the whole nation coming out of him that was in bondage in Egypt, led out, and they went to Babylon again in bondage, and they came out. It was not for them. But out of them there was one called the seed, which is Jesus Christ. So the, the promise was to this Abraham and his seed, not referring to many, but to one individual that we know is Christ. That's Galatians chapter 3. Okay, so the whole permanent thing, the second covenant, the, second, the first man, the second man, Adam. Uh, the, the last Adam, the first Adam. Okay? So it's the temporary thing, the natural thing, then the permanent thing, the spiritual thing. Do you see that? Okay. So now when we read the scriptures, people take, and they don't see the parallel right through. So they take this scripture and they make your earthly life temporary and one day in heaven you're going to receive the inheritance. But that's not what it says. It's not what it says. So we're going to just look at this a little bit. So we have this idea that I am just a stranger on the earth. I'm just a temporary resident on the earth. My real home is in heaven. I'm not there now, but I'm going there when I die. Okay? Where's the scripture? Okay. Yes. Is my heaven home? Yes. But my heaven is home from the second I receive the Spirit of God. From the second I'm in the kingdom. From the second I receive the Holy Spirit, the permanent thing comes. It's called being born again. So you, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. So the old or the temporary or the natural is past. Then he says, open your eyes. Behold, the new has come. New Testament, old covenant. New life in Christ, old life in the flesh. All right? So from the moment you got born again, from the moment you received the Holy Spirit of God by faith in the Word of God, you became, what does 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 says? Do you not know? that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So what did Jesus say about the temple? He said, break the thing down. He prophesied it in Matthew 23, 24. He said, it's going to be broken down. Look at all these wonderful things. It's going to be broken down. No two stones will be upon one another. And it happened. He said in John chapter 2, break it down, and in three days I will raise it up, speaking of his body, but they didn't understand. So his body is the temple. And that temple is the permanent thing. Because he will dwell with you forever. And he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. So the church, the permanent structure, is the real new temple. So there are those who die. But those who die are in Christ. So they died in Christ. That means that the, the kingdom of God, the church, is comprised of two groups. Those who are in Christ on earth and those who are in Christ who died in Christ who are in heaven. But you need to get this. You who have the Holy Spirit, 
you who do believe in Jesus, who are alive on this earth now, are now seated with Christ in heavenly places. You are already in heaven in fellowship with Jesus. Can you have fellowship with God? Where is He? In heaven. So where is heaven? In your heart. You're a temple. So we looked at it at the conference. You are His temple. He is your temple. I worship in Him and He dwells in me. So I worship Him in what? In spirit and in truth. That's my temple. He is my temple. Spirit, truth. So I worship in spirit, truth in the secret place. Secret place. Of the most high that Moses even prophesied about. Psalm 91. Psalm of Moses, not of David. Those who dwell in the secret place of the most high. Moses was hidden in the cleft of the rock. He got the pattern of the tabernacle in heaven. He saw the whole thing with the cherubim. He saw what it looked like in heaven. So he had to make the box to show something on earth. Let your kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. We need to manifest what's there on earth. Your inheritance is him. Okay? So there is a city. So We've spoken, maybe you haven't heard about the city, but we've spoken about the city many times. Okay. So there's a heavenly city and there's an earthly city. So the heavenly, the, the earthly city is Jerusalem, which is in the physical area where Abraham dwelt in his tents. Abraham actually went to Canaan. He went to the, the place that would be his inheritance, but he didn't see it in his lifetime. It's all prophetic. It's a parable. Okay? He could view it, but he never got it. Okay. He's speaking that rest that is spoken of. Remember, the Israelites were taken out of Egypt. They went through the, de the desert. How many days? Like 11 days walk, ne? Okay, from Egypt to Canaan. They got to the river, to the very border, sent out the spies. The spies said, two said, if God said we can do it, we can do it. So if you get to the point where you need to do something by faith, don't delay because you don't want to be 40 years in the desert. Okay, so, so take the step. Okay, so he went in. Spied, came back. It's a good land. Groot vruchte. Okay, but also very groot people. So here comes the ten back, and they said, no, the people are too big, we can't take it. Joshua and Caleb, if God said we can take it, we can take it. So they took up stones to stone them, because they didn't have the vision. They couldn't see. So they just, Joshua and Caleb just said what God said. Okay. All of those ten and the others that agreed with them that day died in the desert. Joshua and Caleb came 40 years later to the river, and they, they said, I'm just as strong now as I was 40 years ago when Moses laid hands on me. So let us go now. And when the priests put their feet, they did something. When they put their feet in the river, the river opened up. 
you know, and the walls of Jericho fell. And when they got there, the, all the people that these ten thought, you know, we were grasshoppers in their eyes and we were grasshoppers in our own eyes, those ten uh, never saw it, but we, when the people actually got into the, the promised land, they said, you know, we heard of you coming through the Red Sea with the fire and the cloud. And our hearts melted like wax within us. They were so scared of these people, even though they were the giants. So they had more vision than the ten and all those that died in the desert. Okay. All of them were descendants of Abraham. All of them were descendants of Abraham. But God calls them a hard-hearted, stiff-necked people. He wanted to wipe them off. Moses interceded for them. <laughs> In Acts chapter 7, Stephen stands up. He said, which of the prophets did our forefathers not persecute? And Jesus came and you did with him just as your forefathers did with the prophets. So then Stephen calls them, you hard-hearted, stiff-naked people. And he preached the gospel to them and they gnashed at their teeth. And they screamed at him. You know, the wailing and the gnashing of teeth. Okay, so that's where they were cast out of the, of, of the kingdom. Wailing and the gnashing of teeth. Okay, so they grabbed him and dragged him outside the city. And they stoned him. Cast out of the city. As Jesus was crucified outside of the city. So there's a natural city, Jerusalem. Descendants of Abraham, the actual physical promised land. But that's not the promise. Because Hebrews chapter 4 said, there remains another rest for us. If Canaan was the rest, he would not have spoken of another day. But the scripture speaks of another day, saying today, if you hear the voice of the Lord, do not harden your hearts. As the Israelites did in the provocation in the desert, when they tempted God, they, the promise didn't benefit them at all because it was not mixed with faith. Hebrews 4 verse 2. They all died in the desert. But there's a, a new rest, a new day. So that day is a time. It's something in the spirit. And the promised land is a place. It's something in the spirit. Is your real home in heaven? Yes. But you got your time wrong if you think it's only after you die. You've got to access it now. Because if you access it now, whatever is there starts manifesting here. Okay? Heaven was never the final destination. Not one scripture in your Bible says it. I don't know why no one sees it. I'm speaking of preachers. But heaven is not the final destination. Heaven is your source. If you die having been born again, you are in heaven because you have been in heaven since you got born again. Maybe your attention wasn't there, but you've been there. But if you go to the secret place. With other words, your attention is there and not, your input is from there and not from the natural. 
you go to the secret place, you see there, you do here. But if you go here, you see and do here, but you see nothing there. And that's where a lot of people are stuck. Now we wait to die and go to heaven one day, oh, in the sweet by and by. No scripture. You're not supposed to die and go to heaven to meet God. You meet God here. Do you go to heaven when you die? Yes. Well, you're already there. It's just your seen part that dies and there's no more input from here. So all you can see is there. Where you've been since you got born again. I hope I make sense. So you enter the rest. You enter the promised land by receiving the Spirit. But you can dwell there. You can move there. Okay. So there's a city, and it's called the New Jerusalem. In Galatians chapter 4, if you read, you can go read Galatians 3 and 4 for homework. So Galatians chapter 4 speaks of an allegory of two women representing two covenants. The one is Sarah and the one is Haggai. Hagar, not Haggai. Haggai is a prophet. Hagar. So one by the bond woman, one by the free. One born of the flesh, one born in virtue of the promise. What's the promise? The promise is spirit. Okay, so he says, the new, the people of the new have one mother, and the mother is the new Jerusalem. You know of your heavenly father. Do you know your heavenly mother? Galatians 4 says, the new Jerusalem. The city. You are born into that city. Okay. But now he says, that whole allegory, Hagar and Sarah, the two covenants, it's an allegory. Both of them in the natural. All the, I'm speaking of the physical descendants. Both are now in bondage. They both here. Both those lines are here. There's Sarah and there's Hagar. And they correspond with the present Jerusalem. And they are in bondage together with their children. So if you think there's a natural thing of Abraham that we need to get, you don't understand why the whole, what God wanted to say through Abraham's life at all. Abraham left his father and his mother. His place where he came from naturally. He left it to see the place where he should, have, should be, the, his inheritance spiritually. It was acted out in a natural place. And it was acted out. It's parables acted out in the old. So Canaan was a parable of us entering the secret place. That's the real rest if you read Hebrews chapter 4. Are you with me? Okay, right. So that means Abraham dwelling as a sojourner, as a temporary resident, as an alien. Okay, alien walking there in that place. Okay? So it's not that he is, all of us, we are now aliens on the earth and our real home is heaven, so we're just waiting to die and go to heaven. You're wasting your whole life. 
you enter heaven now and you live from there to bring, to, to bring the kingdom of God here. Our Father who art in heaven. So you have access to heaven because you can pray, Our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. God is not about to abandon the earth and give it to some false prophet or some end time beast or something. This is God's creation. You are the crown of God's creation. Okay, so, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit what? The earth. So, oh my goodness, now earth is part of your inheritance. So, why would you have earth if it's all messed up? Why would you want earth? I mean, everyone is fighting and bombing each other and everyone is stealing each other's oil and each other's stuff and, and everyone is burning everyone else's houses and breaking in and, and it's chaos on earth. Why do you think it's chaos on earth? It's because the righteous don't understand that earth is their inheritance. It's because the righteous is just sitting, watching everything burn, thinking, uh, this is not really mine. I'm just going to heaven. Listen, if someone gave you a house, and you know this is now your house, and someone else comes to burn it down, will you stop it? So why do we not stop it on earth? Why don't we speak out? Why don't we prophesy? The Word of God speaks. Okay? Something I... Listen to this, the series of Prophet Kobus changed the, changed the uh, scene by changing the sound. So, you know, a wiper wipes, a dog barks, a word speaks. So that's what a word does. Have you received the word? So then that word should speak through you. If you take God's word and speak it, you will change your circumstances. So your life is not about sitting, waiting to die and go to heaven. Your life is about bringing what God said to you to the natural. To manifest something out of the secret place. To bring something out of heaven to earth. That's what it's about. We have a, like I always say, a window of opportunity. You have your natural life in which to manifest everything that you see of God. You have eternal life in Christ. Manifest it. Prophesy it. Speak it. We are not here to die. We are here to live. So if you look at circumstances, you can either feel hopeless because you remember how, you know, how much better it used to be 20 years, 30 years ago. Okay? in certain aspects. It's been, certain aspects of the economy has been better. 
certain aspects of crime has been better. And that's why you see people just fleeing the country, going to other nations where things resemble what they used to. Okay? Because our comfort is more important than the word. Okay? So, but if we start saying, if you understand that your home is the secret place, your home is heaven, that's your source, that's your base, that's your city, that's your kingdom. But you are an ambassador of Christ on earth. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you read from 18 maybe to 21. Okay, ambassadors of Christ. We represent Him. We represent the kingdom. So the ambassador of Christ comes to establish the kingdom here. So we speak the kingdom word so that the kingdom that's already come with the Spirit of God can actually be seen on this earth. So the kingdom has to be established on this earth in manifestation also. That's our role to play. Jesus already did everything. He's waiting for us to rise up. But everyone is waiting for the heaven bus. But you are already there. So if you wait, all that's going to happen is your body is going to die off and you're, not, you're still just where you've always been since you got born again in heaven. Is it wrong to say, uh, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven? No, because if you die, you're in heaven. Is it wrong? No, but it's just incomplete. What about bringing heaven to earth? What about seeing something there, manifesting it, speaking it, demonstrating it here? hope that makes sense. So, the, the city of God. Let me just read this out of Hebrews chapter 11, and then we go to Hebrews chapter 12. He says, okay, prompted by faith, he dwelt as a temporary resident in the land, which was designated in the promise of God. Like a stranger in a strange country, living in tents with Isaac, Jacob, fellow heirs with him in the same promise. Tents or tabernacles, it's a temporary structure. For he was waiting expectantly and confidently looking forward to the city which has fixed and firm foundations whose architect and builder is God. Oh, so the city has fixed and firm foundations. The city is a square with foundation stones of the 12 apostles, 12 stones, if you take it right around, okay? So, the city with the fixed foundations is not this. If he was waiting for Canaan and Jerusalem, that's a pretty shabby inheritance. If the whole world is supposed to go for that inheritance, I don't want to live in Jerusalem. I've, I've not lost a thing in the world there. I'd like to go see where Jesus walked. I mean, I like traveling, so I'd like to see it for historic purposes. But this, it's a very holy city. It's full of holes because everyone is constantly shooting one another. Okay? Much like Kiev or something. There's also a few other holy cities right now. Okay. So what I'm saying is, all that fighting cannot resemble the blessing of God. So, that's the natural. 
And in Galatians 4, it says, the natural will always persecute those born of the Spirit. So, the natural will always have something bad to say about people that just throw all inhibitions out and go for the stuff of the Spirit. It's always something to say. Okay? But the spiritual city descended like I said at the conference, it descended, but it is still going to descend. It descended when the Holy Spirit was poured out. But it is manifesting. So every time someone receives the Spirit, it is descending. The, the, come and be like living stones built into a holy habitation, First Peter chapter 2. So we are built on the foundation. It says here... Um, now, we're going to read Ephesians later. Okay, but we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Okay. You are built, but come and be built like living stones. The city has come, but no one can see it. So, it has to manifest. So, it's being built. So, it's both. But still, something of this spiritual revelation of the city of God needs to manifest on this earth. And that's the point. You're not a citizen of the earthly system. You're a citizen of the heavenly city. And if you're a citizen, a citizen of the heavenly city, and you're walking on this earth, and you're demonstrating that city on this earth, you're bringing heaven to earth. You're bringing the kingdom of God to earth. You're manifesting the unseen in the seen. And that is supposed to be our permanent state. The glory of God manifested on us. So, just to finish this thing of dying and going to heaven. It's not an incorrect doctrine to say you die and go to heaven. But where I differ with everyone is this. We're not all supposed to die and go to heaven. Because what about the resurrection? If there's a resurrection, then those who are dead and, and passed on into the cloud, into Christ in, in heaven. He comes... In 1 Thessalonians 4, and he will bring them with him, and the dead will be raised. So if the dead are raised, where are they? Here. And nowhere in that scripture does it say anything of anyone being taken away from this earth, flying away, O glory. It's nowhere in the scripture. Not one scripture says it. But it says he is coming here, and it says he's bringing them with him. So, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So, Peter also prophesied a new heaven and a new earth. So did John. Okay? It's a new creation. So, creation, says Romans 8, is groaning and waiting for their, the manifestation of the sons of God so that all creation could be set free from bondage to decay and have an entrance into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. Does it say that in Romans 8? Okay, so creation is subjected to frailty, not because of any intentional fault on its part, but by the will of him who so subjected it, Adam. But creation is groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons. 
So are you a son of God by faith? Yes. He gave, you know, he came unto his own, but his own received him not, John 1. But to as many as did believe on his name, gave he power to become sons of God, as many as believed on his name. Do you believe on his name? Okay, so he gave you the power to become a son. Romans 8, verse 14, those who are led by the Spirit are sons. Then he says, he has not given us the spirit of this world that leads to bondage and fear. But he has given us the spirit of adoption in the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father. So now it says, the spirit of God testifies together with our own spirit that we are children of God or sons of God. Okay, so are you children of God? Are you sons of God? Okay. So, what's, where's the gap? Because creation is still groaning. Same chapter. Where's the gap? Manifested sons. The kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking, but it's in power. Jesus said, the kingdom will not come by observation. Look, it's here. It's here. But the kingdom of God will be in you. Inside you. Okay? Does it make sense? Okay. So the kingdom of God manifests in someone when we do what we see and we say what we hear from this place. If we dwell there, we see there. If we dwell there, we hear there. And if we hear there and speak it and see there and do it, our lives will look like Jesus' life. Because Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father do. John 5, John 12, I only speak as He commands me to say. So, and it said, uh, Hebrews chapter 5, Jesus says, In the days of his flesh, he offered up special petitions with strong crying and tears to God, who was always able to save him from death. Okay? So Jesus, the Son, spent time in the secret place. Jesus, the Son, went to the Father, and he isolated himself and spoke to the Father and spent time in the Spirit. So where was Jesus? In heaven and on earth at the same time. He's the pattern. He's the head. We are the body. Okay, remember when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, no one has ever seen God except him who descended from heaven and who is in heaven. But he's standing right in front of him speaking to him. He descended, he came down from heaven. And he is in heaven. So you're in two realms at the same time. Because you, your being is not only body. Or body and mind. But you are spirit, soul, body. So you are at the same time in different realms. 
So the question is, where's our attention? If our attention is with the Spirit of God, whatever is there starts manifesting through us. Okay, I've said these things so many times. Okay, but now just see this in terms of the whole revelation of Abraham. Sorry, I go on rabbit trail so much that I, I, I don't read what I need to read. Okay, he says, he was waiting expectantly and confidently looking forward to the city which has firm and fixed foundations whose architect and builder is God. Because of faith also, Sarah herself received physical power to conceive a child, so it manifested in the physical, even when she was long past the age for it. Because she considered God who had given her the promise to, a reliable, to be reliable and trustworthy and true to his word. So from one man, though he was physically as good as dead, there have sprung descendants whose number is as stars of heaven and as countless as the innumerable sands on the seashore. So there's the stars of heaven seed, that's the, the people who believe, who live in the spirit, and there's the innumerable sands of the seashore. It's the physical descendants of Abraham who don't believe they are just physical descendants, the stars and the sand. Okay, verse 13. These people all died controlled. These people, speaking of all the errors and errors of faith, faith that he mentioned in Hebrews 11, these people all died controlled and sustained by their faith, but not having received the tangible fulfillment of God's promises, only having seen it and greeted it from a great distance by faith, and all the while acknowledging and confessing that they were strangers and temporary residents and exiles upon the earth. So what's the difference between them and now? They were waiting for the things of the Spirit to be introduced. We are in it. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. Jesus already came. The seed came. He did transform everything. He did bring reformation according to, to Hebrews chapter 9. So he did fulfill the law. He did do everything. He did pay the price. The Spirit of God is already poured out. So everything that he was still waiting for has already happened. So we can't just say, because Abraham was a temporary resident, oh, I'm a temporary resident. I'm not a temporary resident. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a citizen in the city of God. Okay, so now he says, Now those people who talk as they did show plainly that they are in search of a fatherland, their own country. If they had been thinking with homesick remembrance of that country from which they were immigrants, they would have found constant opportunity to return to it. So if you keep thinking on all the stuff that you left behind in the flesh, you will return to it. But if you forget it, you can't return to a place where you can't, that you can't remember. Okay? All right. So, Hebrews chapter 12. He says, You have not come, as did the Israelites in the wilderness, the natural people, to a material mountain that can be touched. So, this mountain is material. So it's an actual mountain. You can go there. Okay. You did not come to a material mountain that can be touched, mountain that is ablaze with fire and gloom and darkness and a raging storm. Okay. He says, you didn't come to that. And of the blast of a trumpet and a voice whose words make the listeners beg that nothing more be said to them. 
For they could not bear the command that was given, if even a wild animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned to death. In fact, so awful and terrifying was the phenomenal sight that Moses said, I'm terrified. So Moses didn't even want to be there. Okay, verse 22. But rather, you have come to Mount Zion. So this is a terrifying thing, and it's natural. You did not come to that mountain. But rather, you have come. Does it say you will come? No. It says you have come. You have come to Mount Zion, even to the city of the living God. Oh, so you have come to the city now. So we're not waiting for the city. We have come to the city, okay? You, the heavenly Jerusalem and to countless multitudes of angels in festal gathering. So the spiritual mountain that you cannot see. There's a mountain. So, so it's higher. It's a higher realm, the mountain. What's on the mountain in the higher realm? The city. And in the city, angels in festal gathering, it, having a big feast. So it's not the... Uh, you need to also understand that Re Revelation says, I saw the city descending as a bride adorned for her husband. So the city is also a bride. A bride is a married wife. A bride-to-be is someone who's not married yet. We are already married with Him. We, we can already be intimate with Christ. We are not waiting to see the marriage feast. We are married. We have the Spirit. We have oneness, intimacy with Him now. So we're not waiting for a city. We are the city. You are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Okay, does it make sense? Okay, the light of the world. So the light shines out of it. There's angels in festal gathering. That's the marriage feast of the Lamb. So every time someone is added to the number, they just keep on rejoicing because another sinner is saved. Another one joins this group that is called the bride that is being made one with Christ. We are already the body of Christ. He is the head. We are already the body. There's different images that describes the oneness that we already have with Him. We can't be one body or one flesh with Him if we're not married with Him yet. We are already married to, to Him. We're not waiting for the mar marriage feast of the Lamb. We have come to the city. We have come to the mountain. We have come to angels in festal gathering. Okay, so He says... Um, we have come, and the church of the firstborn, we are, we are one with the church of the firstborn, who are registered as citizens in heaven. Oh, so if you're in the church, you're a citizen in heaven. And to the God who is judge of all, and to the sons of the righteous, the redeemed in heaven, who have been made perfect. Okay, so in Hebrews 11, they have not been made perfect. But in Hebrews 12, it says you have come, and they have been made perfect. You have come to the spirits of the saints made perfect, says the King James. Here on earth, they were not yet made perfect, but now in heaven, they are made perfect. They died, they are waiting to get their bodies back. We are alive and we got the spirit, but we're waiting to die. They wish they could have what we have, but they are this cloud of witnesses cheering us on, cheering us on, cheering us on. Go for it, go for it. 
So what does God still need to do to get our attention? It's to draw us into heaven so that we can reflect what is in heaven on earth. Oh, you poor, senseless, unreflecting Galatians who has bewitched you. So what's the bewitchment that they had? They went back to the law, to the natural, to the elemental teachings, to the teachings of externalism. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 2. Okay. So you get it. You're, you're the body. Remember in the old... Gentiles, all of us, couldn't come, and if you're a Jew, bless you, but Gentiles couldn't come, couldn't have any fellowship with the Jews who were God's people. Now, Jew and Gentile, no difference, you have to believe to be God's people, okay? So he says, now in Christ Jesus, you who were, that's verse four, uh, 13, sorry, Ephesians 2, 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once, once were so far away, through the blood of Christ have been brought near. Okay? Okay. It says, Now in Christ you who were once so far away, through the blood of Christ have been brought near. So it doesn't matter how far we were because of our natural descent, by the blood of Christ we are now brought near. Verse 14. For He is Himself our peace, our bond of unity and harmony, he has made us both Jew and Gentile one body and has broken down the hostile dividing wall between us. So now it doesn't matter which side of the train tracks you come from. It doesn't matter which side, which demographic, which language, nation. doesn't matter. If you have Christ, you're in. You've been brought near. Okay. Verse 15, by abolishing in his own crucified flesh the enmity caused by the law with its decrees and ordinances which he annulled, that he from the two might create in himself one new man, one new quality of humanity out of the two, so making peace. And he designed to reconcile to God both Jew and Gentile, united in a single body by means of his cross, thereby killing the mutual enmity and bringing the feud to an end. And he came and preached the glad tidings of peace to you who were afar off and peace to those who were near. So both the Jews and the Gentiles got the same preaching, which was the glad tidings, which is the word of God. And if you believe that, you become a son. So verse 18 says, For it is through him that we both, whether far off or near, now have an introduction, access, by one Holy Spirit to the Father, so that we are able to approach Him. So the whole thing of heaven is not about heaven so much as about the Father. It's about knowing the Father. So you have access to Him to know the Father. Our Father who art in heaven. Yes, He is in heaven, but heaven isn't the big deal. He is the big deal. Okay? So the, the place where He is is less important than Him who is there. Come on, if you can. Welcome to my life. Okay. 
Okay, so <laughs> she likes to come to the Father. <laughs> okay. So it doesn't matter if Father is in this house or in that house, she wants to come to the Father. But wherever the Father is there, heaven is there. Okay. So he says, Therefore you are no longer outsiders. Have you ever felt you're just sitting here waiting to go to heaven so you feel like an outsider you feel like the temporary resident like abram felt in those days and one day you're going to enter in no someone lied to you you enter in now if you have christ you are no longer an outsider you're no longer a migrant you're no longer a sojourner you're no longer an alien you're no longer an outcast you are in him. You were far off and now brought near. So now you can live from heaven into earth. A different perspective. So now you understand you are sent from heaven to make earth look like heaven. Okay? So now whatever happens here doesn't affect you because your kingdom that you are from is stable. And the host of heaven is behind you protecting you. And the authority of heaven is behind you. Imagine an ambassador from a very strong, wealthy country goes um, with a certain task to a country where there is chaos. Do you think he's worried about the chaos? Remember the, the whole picture that uh, Didier Tissot mentioned about the boat with the soldiers in it and the, the, we were the other people, the soldiers and the, um, the sailors in a boat, okay, obviously. So, <laughs> so the sailors were concerned for the boat, but the soldiers were concerned for the assignment. Okay? Do you get what I'm saying? So if the boat, if things get rough, the sailors are concerned for the boat. If things get rough, the soldiers don't care about the boat. They, they just care about what they came to do. Okay? So it's the same. Geopolitical issues doesn't matter. You are here with an assignment from heaven. So you can bring the light of God and obviously that will eventually um, infiltrate every area of society and change everything. But if we have revival in this city, if we have revival in this country, everything that's messed up by darkness, everything that's messed up by all the demon-possessed politicians will, will disappear and be changed. Yes, I said it and I still believe it. Okay, so they're not following the plan of God. They're not listening to the voice of God in the secret place at all. They're destroying everything. Okay, so it's not, it's not what God is doing. Okay, but if we bring revival, it, everything changes. It will change from the ground up, not from the top down. It will change from another top down. And that top is the Father. That top is the secret place. That top is the hilltop. Mount Zion, that top is the temple of God, the Spirit of God, the light of the world. So if we just shine the light, nothing, nothing can stand in front of us. So how you view your circumstances in earth, you need to decide, is the circumstances ruling over me or am I ruling over the circumstances? Because if, if my attention is here, my circumstances will rule over me and overwhelm me. But if I'm standing here, I can speak the word that I heard. I can, I can manifest the vision. I can do things that I saw. And if I do that, 
heaven comes to earth. Okay, it's such a simple thing, but I hope. Okay, so he says, you who were far were brought near. You have one introduction by the Holy Spirit to the Father. Verse 19, therefore you are no longer outsiders, exiles, migrants, aliens, excluded from the rights and citizens, but now share citizenship with the saints. So you are part of, the, you are already the city, and you have come to the city. We're not waiting for a city. Okay. God's own people. And you belong to God's own household. You are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone. Done. We're not waiting for it. You are ready. Okay. In him the whole structure is joined, bound, welded, I like that, together, harmoniously. And it continues to rise and grow and increase into a holy temple in the Lord, a sanctuary dedicated, consecrated, and sanctified to the presence of the Lord. I want to be part of the sanctuary dedicated to the presence of the Lord. Okay. In Him and in fellowship with one another, you yourselves are also being built. You see, you are built, but you are being built. Okay. It's the, the thing that happened in the Spirit, but is now gradually manifesting in the natural. Okay, so you are being built up into the structure with the rest to form a fixed abode, a dwelling place, a fixed, a permanent address, a fixed abode. Do you see it? Okay, so you're, it's not supposed to be a temporary thing, a fixed abode. The church is a fixed abode. The church is here to stay. The church is going nowhere. Because this world belongs to the church, and the church needs to take over. Church, I'm not talking politics and organizations. That will just fade away and just be destroyed. I'm talking about the body of Jesus Christ. Okay. Right, so he says, fix the boat of God by and through the Spirit. And then he continues into Ephesians chapter 3. What a glorious chapter. All right. Do you see the difference a perspective can make. Do you see? Are you from earth or are you from heaven? Jesus standing in front of the, of the Pharisees says, I am from above and you are from beneath. John 8. I do what I hear from my father. You do what you hear from your father. You are from your father the devil. I'm not pointing at you. I'm just you know, like Jesus pointing to the Pharisee. <laughs> so, Jesus standing there. Okay, so do you really, do you believe that you are from God? Okay. I loved what Hendrik said last week. Yeah, what an awesome word. Who was here last week? If you haven't heard it, go listen to that word. It's very rich. It's really awesome. Okay. But he said, don't waste your time listening to people who don't believe that they're righteous. That was nice. Okay? So if, if you really believe who you are in Christ, you can bring something. But if you don't even believe that you're righteous, why minister? Okay. You have something to give. You have something to contribute. You have something to manifest. You have the authority of heaven behind you. You have the whole of the word 
you have countless revelation and insight and depths in the scripture that you can explore and manifest. Okay? There's no limit to what God will do through you. So let's change our perspective. Okay? So instead of being afraid of everything that's happening in the world, why don't we just speak a word? Why don't we just see who we are in Christ and start ruling and reigning in the midst of it all? Okay? So God is about to show himself in the world like the world has never seen it before. And he's going to use whoever would believe. Not big names. He's going to use anyone who would take this. He's going to use, and with you, he's, you, you know, he makes you a big name. <laughs> he says, stick with me, I'll make you famous. <laughs> okay. But seriously, um, God wants to manifest something. He wants to do something. We are constantly looking back. Yes, we can learn from people who've gone before us. What did God do in their lives? Awesome. But God wants to do something that he hasn't shown. And he wants to show something to the world that he can only show through you. So don't be a spectator. You are a son in the kingdom and you need to say something. You need to do something. Okay. All right. So dwell in the secret place and show what you got. Show what you see. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your glory, Jesus. Thank you for your presence. Lord, I just pray, let us see power like never before. Let us rule over stuff that is in this earth and not be intimidated by it. I pray, Lord Jesus, that the church will rise up and manifest what God has already given us in the Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.